Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen and the wonderful Ryan Davis. And uh, we're here to bring you the next in our series of team draft previews. Uh, and we're bringing on uh, one of the faces of draft Twitter, uh, one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. And that's the great Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft. Uh, Rich, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm real happy to be here. I really appreciate y'all having me on and for the high praise. Yeah, of course. Thanks for taking your time out, man. This is, uh, it always means a lot when anyone comes on, but I know you're, you're an especially busy guy with all the stuff you got going on. So it's, it's great to, that you carve some time out to talk about a team in the draft with no picks, but, uh, we're going to make this fun anyways. Um, Stone, my friend, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, excited to talk to Richard. Uh, we've known each other for a long time on draft Twitter, so it's cool to be able to, uh, speak to him audio wise. Yeah, somewhat face-to-face. It's like half face-to-face. Yeah. And uh, Davis, uh, you got a little bit of time here before you go to work. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I got to work in a little bit, but definitely wanted to uh, catch this one. Um, one of Probably one of my first basketball Twitter, Twitter uh, followers. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to, to talk to, to Mavs draft here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richard does great work. Uh, he covered the combine this year. Uh, he works closely with uh, former guests of the podcast, uh, Lee Branscombe of which Carolina fame. Uh, so, so it's great to have him on. Um, and Rich, you're here to talk about one of the more interesting teams, if not in the draft at the very least in the NBA um, with, with uh, the superheroics of one Luka Doncic. Um, I, I mean, you could argue on a permanent basis that he was the best player in the playoffs this year. Uh, despite only playing in one round. Um, and they have an interesting roster built around him. Uh, they have an interesting coaching situation as well, a new head coach hired. So, so Rich, do you just want to give us maybe a bit of your perspective on where the Mavericks are at, where they're going, and what the roster sort of looks like right now? Yeah, so basically the rundown. I'll give you like what it looked like from the Mavs Twitter perspective, my perspective, and how I – and then you guys can correct me from outsiders' perspective. So the narratives around Mavs Twitter were the team sucks – um everyone needs to go Carlisle is the problem and you know some people said Luca was selfish so I'm gonna just <laughs> kick the fourth one because that was completely untrue obviously people still tell me that when I like I'll wear my Luca shirt like to the gym and people will be like oh you wear a selfish player jersey like reverberated but like they'll literally bring that up and I'm like what what so there are people who think he's selfish and holding the team back there are people who thought Carlisle was a problem my stance on that you know, obviously he's gone. Jason kids in is the, he wasn't part of the problem, but he also wasn't part of the solution. So like, if you're kind of not part of the solution, you're part of the problem just by trait, but he was a very good coach for Doncic. I think people are going to see that uh, this year. I think he's still going to take another step in certain areas, but the player free player movement freedom uh, or just player freedom in general is going to be really good for Jason kid and Luka Doncic. And then, you know, the team, a lot of guys, played more more of a role than they needed to dorian finney smith should never be a playoff team's third best player under no circumstances is that okay christoph sporzingis underperformed in the playoffs and defensively the whole year however the thing that i don't know why this doesn't get talked about at all and i kind of do because he didn't play defense but kind of irrelevant to it is he just had the best offensive season of his career volume wise efficiency wise every metric said it was the best year of his career offensively and people are like ready to pack his bags. So 
it's a very interesting season. They really need to add depth and who knows what the roster will look like next year, but with a new coaching staff, it's almost an enigma. Yeah. And I think yeah. oh, go ahead, it's, uh, pretty, like you were saying, kind of anyone's guess as to what they do with the roster. Um, but because we have you on, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think they should do with uh, Porzingis and how you think they should go about uh, trying to retain Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. So I think they should not trade Porzingis when his value is at his lowest. That's just gen- generally bad business. So like I'm against that with Hardaway. He, I, man, I'm torn because if you watch the games, the impact he had was just so obvious for this team, but on the other hand, I don't know if it's repeatable, especially under a new coach. Carlisle has this thing where he'll over-maximize guys and really get the most out of them. And Tim Hardaway does that. It was the most efficient and, again, best year of his career offensively. And I don't know if Jason Kidd will get that repeat performance. I think if you're paying him 20, even $15 million, it's still not going to be the best contract. I, I think you could get a similar performing player in, a t- in someone who wants to be dumped by their team right now, which is Buddy Heald. I would rather have him in that role who can consistently shoot and isn't streaky from shot to shot in the same way. So I'm torn on keeping Hardaway. I'd let him go for the right price. But the other thing is he has bird rights. So like, it doesn't really matter. He's not in part of the salary cap to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. That the bird rights makes that uh, interesting. Uh, John Hollinger talks all the time about like sort of the bird rights trap of uh, you have a player with bird rights and not the cap space. So you kind of have to keep them or you sort of lose that. Uh, you, you don't have a way to replace that player. The Mavs do have some cap space, so, so they could replace Hardaway, but you hope there's a way they can maybe use the cap space and keep Hardaway. Um, if for nothing else, then to be eventually some uh, filler salary. Um, but before we dive into the Mavs draft, I kind of want to talk a little bit about their young players because they have sort of, an interesting crop of young talent. They made three picks last year, taking Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, and uh, Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay was on a two-way. Um, and then they have some other, obviously, some interesting young guys. Jalen Brunson, I would still consider somewhat young. Um, so just, Richard, Richard, do you want to just give us like a little kind of breakdown of what you see these young players as and how they're going to grow along with Luca into the future? Yeah, so let's just start with last year's draft class. Josh Green is going to be at the worst of role player. It might end up being his most likely outcome. Um, really good athlete, defender. He's already a high-level defender for this team. Uh, not necessarily wide. He's not high-level because he can get beat by the strong wings still. And that's really the next step for him is just once he adds strength and consistency guarding those big defend, uh, big ball handlers, he'll really take a step forward. But his passing is incredible. That is something that is going to really open up the floor for Luca and for his teammates. And then uh, Tyrell Terry is kind of a mystery box. He had no rookie year, just all the things considered when he was healthy and around the team, it it was peak COVID when he left, he left for months and uh, had some personal matters he had to attain to in Minnesota. And so we really don't know what to expect from Tyrell Terry. I've never been big on him, but I'm going to keep my high, my hopes high and, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. And we don't really know. There hasn't been one way or another that anything would have swung. And then Tyler Bay, I mean, the fact of the matter is two-way players, they don't really stick. There's not much retention there. I'd be kind of surprised if he's back, but I don't know what the contract details were. Maybe it was like a two-year something or other, if that's even a thing. Um, but I'm not getting my hopes up or getting attached to Tyler Bay, but he could be a defender with rim running. 
but very, very limited offensively. And then Jalen Brunson, I think was the other one you said he had 50, 40, 90 until like March. And then he just kind of hit a brick wall and it carried over into the playoffs. And people said he was unplayable because of his defense, but he was unplayable because he wasn't making that many shots. He just wasn't that good. Um, and he, the slump continued, I think. I don't know what the stats were. He might have shot like 50%, but it sure didn't feel like it. Yeah, that's – and, you know, I sort of felt a little underwhelmed by their class last year that they were in a place where they could really get some interesting talent. Um, Green, I liked as a player. I had him valued right around where he was drafted. Um, but Tyrell Terry, I was a little lower on. Um, and then especially Tyler Bay, I had uh, as, as hardly a draftable talent, to be honest. Um, Stone, did you have any specific takes on those guys? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> pre-draft, I'll say that I was way too high on Tyler Bay. Um, so that kind of came a bit, bite me in the butt. But um, I was really high on Josh Green, and I still remain fairly high on him, especially um, like with, with what Richard was saying in terms of his passing. I think that's something uh not as we saw glimpses of pre-draft but it wasn't nearly as um impactful or consistent as it was for the Mavericks this year so being able to see him grow in that way was really enticing um obviously his passiveness offensively has sort of been what's held him back a bit I think from taking a, a larger leap forward but he's still really young so there's time for that to improve um and then Tyrell Terry uh has already stated it's, it's very difficult to sort of get a read on, you know, how successful his rookie year was without actually having one. So um, I still remain highest, I think, on Josh Green out of those those players, but uh, I, I'm still relatively in on Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay as um, maybe being sort of end of the bench type guys. Yeah, I think that's a fair um, assessment. Um, so we've talked a little bit about their roster. Uh, Rich, I'm going to throw it back to you. What are they really missing here? We've talked about, you know, the shooting that Tim Hardaway Jr. brought was really helpful, but uh, it, it might be interesting to try and replace. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, obviously sort of a stretch five, but struggles to do um, a lot else, especially if he can't figure out what's going on defensively. So what are the holes that this roster really has? And, and how do you think um, the Mavericks should go about filling them? Yeah, I mean, they there's I don't even know where to start like the fact that they don't have anybody besides Luca that can put pressure on the rim as a slasher really hurts they don't have another facilitator and a, a true facilitator Brunson and Josh Richardson were the two best but they had so many holes that like Brunson kind of saw, saw his own shot more than trying to get others involved and Richardson was just a disaster so that really hurts they didn't have a ton of shot creators just in general one way or the other so that was really bad as and then I would say the fact they had one, maybe two, they had two big men that should be playing NBA minutes. Um, Dwight Powell really got him, got his crap together towards the end of the year. You know, the Achilles tear wasn't his fault. Like it just kind of came with the territory of that Achilles tear. And then the, I mean, Willie Cauley Stein should not be playing minutes. Nico Melli should not be playing minutes. They need a better big man rotation. I would say those are the two very most important things they have to address this off season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Josh Richardson really fell off a cliff. That was a dude I thought was an excellent get for for Philadelphia, and and maybe that was me just having a misevaluation of his talent. But uh, I thought that I, he's had a rough sort of stark decline since leaving Miami. Um, you mentioned big men, and and big men are one of the 
the sort of archetypes that I think are best to try and get in an undrafted sense. Um, there are a lot of guys in this class. Um, so Rich uh, and Stone, you can hunt this as well. Who are some big men that you think could either go undrafted or the Mavs could easily buy a pick or, or trade into the second round to get? Um, what type of players do you think fill that? Well, I think they needed to revamp their entire big man core. Honestly, I don't think there's any type of player I wouldn't touch. Obviously, you know, Gerstops is a stretch five that in theory can defend. I think, and for the record, let me just address the Porzingis thing because his defense fell off a cliff and a lot of people say it looked like he was moving in, um, in what was it, like quicksand or whatever. I don't, I think that's a problem, but it wasn't why he fell off a cliff. It really just exaggerated the problem, which is he didn't try. When you don't try and you're not moving as well as he once did, it's really hard to be good. So I think that'll eventually come back. So theoretically, you know, three and D, I guess, is what he is. Uh, just a very unique type. So I would say there are two types of bigs. I want them to get one in undrafted free agency and to buy into the second. Um, Stone, this will come to absolutely no surprise who I'm going to say first. The offensive-minded big I want is Sandro Mamu Kelashvili, pretty much a point forward, can create his own shot, run, pick, and roll, shoot, and get others involved. So I'm all in on that. And then if they want to get a defensive guy, um, we've seen Luca with Dwight Powell. And if you get Dwight Powell with defense, that's Jericho Sims. And I think he could be had an undrafted free agency. Yeah, those are two interesting names. Stone, I'm going to let you hit on uh, Sandro first. And, and then I'll take Jer Jericho and bring up some other names as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sandro, we'll just go with Sandro. Um, he's really somebody I've actually come around in the past couple of months. Um, <clears throat> just he's so unique having guys that have the fluidity ball handling ways that he does at his size is just something that's very, very rare. Um, that said, I do believe it requires a very specific context for him to sort of reach his higher end thresholds, but on the Mavericks, I think that is one of the contexts that could benefit him most. Um, I think, being able to play off of Luca, Luca could even play off ball at times. He doesn't have to be this 100% offensive engine, I think, um, that he's been forced into. And uh, obviously he's capable of it. And that's how you want the ball in his hands the majority of the time. But I think there's avenues to where you can let him get a breather here and there. You don't have to make him the, um, the engine 48 minutes out of the game. So if you have um, Sandro there to sort of lead a second unit even, um, and, you know, Brunson has been impactful as a slasher off ball at times. So being able to play those two together and then uh, if Sandra's shooting can become a consistent thing, that's also a huge um, avenue to success for him as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Jericho Sims is someone who I'm a, I'm a little lower on just because I think there's been almost no progression from about his sophomore year to where he is now. Um, but I think as a bet and an undrafted free agency, he's really interesting, especially with the Mavs, because I think he'll be best maximized by someone like Luca or, you know, like a Trey young or, or someone who can really find him at his spots and not ask him to do much of anything else. Um, he could very well be an elite lob threat. We didn't really get to see that at Texas because they always played with weird spacing and he never quite had guards that could get him the ball in the right context. I didn't think that they could really put it right on the rim for him to get. And Luca is just going to do that. Like, that's just his thing. Uh, Dwight Powell was the best lob threat in the league during Luca's uh, rookie season because of, um, because of Luca mostly. I mean, Dwight Powell, great athlete, great player, but it was Luca that really maximized him. I think Jericho Sims could really do that. Um, a couple other names who, who I think are interesting. 
um, here. One is uh, Namias Keda. Uh, I just think he sort of fills that um, that Jericho Sims role, but he's a little bigger, and I just like him a little more all around. Um, and then, you know, if a guy like Jay Huff could go undrafted, he could be really, really interesting. Um, and then maybe even small ball guys like a Moses Wright or a Marcia or, or guys like that who could maybe be like a small ball uh, change of pace big. Uh, Rich, do you got, do you have any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I mean, I used to love a Marcia. Unfortunately for him, is it's just his feel for the game is brutal and he's pretty raw. Um, really good athlete. I don't think he can shoot despite him trying to shoot. But he could be like a shot blocking rim runner. Um, I like Jay Huff a lot more. Honestly, uh, warming up to him a little bit as almost a Porzingis type in, in like the widest possible way. If you just look at it at, from the most simplistic point of view, he can stretch the floor and he can protect the rim. Like that's literally Porzingis' two best strengths, but obviously not at all the same player. Um, but I think someone like that would help Luca a lot, being able to play with someone theoretically. It's hard to project an undrafted free agent into the rotation, but theoretically, if he had the chance and Huff hits, he could have two stretch fours that or stretch fives that can protect the rim, which would be really helpful for him. Uh, so I like the Jay Huff addition to it. Kata, I'm iffy on, I'm going to be hundred percent honest. The thing that scares me about him is that Luca, um, or I'm sorry, not Luca, uh, Utah state. I don't know how I just said Luca <laughs> from that. Uh, <laughs> this is the Mavs. Everything revolves around Luca. Uh, no, but when he was at Utah state, you know, there's no three in the key and Utah state really maximized that they really had them just camp at the paint. And anyone that drove towards the paint was just met by Nemias Kata. So I kind of worry about how that translates to the NBA. So I'm iffy to give him a chance on the Mavs. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that, especially this year. Um, but I thought, I thought he moved out a little bit more last year. Maybe that's just me uh, misremembering some tape. I liked him more last year than I did this year. And I think that's a bit part of it, but uh, Namias is interesting. Uh, Stone, were there any other names you wanted to bring up? Um, I mean, honestly, there's there's a ton of sort of bigs in this back end sort of range of the draft this year. Uh, Huck Porty is another guy I've come around on a lot. Um, obviously, really young, so I'm not sure if the Mavericks would want to take on a whole another project type player. Um, and then you know, there's other guys such as EJ Onu. I think would be an interesting fit here. Um, as obviously as sort of that rim runner shot blocker, uh, if Luca can really get like a reliable lob threat, I think that would be really beneficial for him and the team. Um, and I think EJ Oni can provide that. Um, and then there's other guys that are sort of, uh, in different roles, but I think could help. Um, I think Sam Hauser could be one, somebody who's a reliable three point shooter and, uh, Luca could just, you know, you could stick him in for, 15 minutes and get two or three threes out of him a game and uh, really use him to your advantage with, with Luca as the primary creator there. Um, so there's a few names. Uh, I, I know I'm sure there's a couple, I think me and Rich are a pretty strong agreement on that'll come up later. Um, but I, I would say those guys as well could be uh, names to look at for the Mavericks here. Yeah, I think House is really interesting. And that's sort of the next thing I wanted to hit on. So we kind of talked about the big man. Um, Rich, who are some guys? And, and these are the type of guys who might really require a trade-in. Might, might even have to trade into the to the upper part of the second round, which I think sometimes people think sounds harder than it tends to be. Uh, you can oftentimes buy – I mean, uh, the the Cavs bought Kevin Porter Jr. from – I want to say that was the Bucks. Um, they just bought that 30th pick. 
I believe they traded four seconds and, and some money. And that was basically how to do it. So uh, if a trade has to happen, I think, I think the Mavs can make it work. And uh, I was wondering who are some guys that sort of fill the other holes on the roster, not the big man rotation, but you mentioned second side creation, or they might need more wings and some spacing. Who are some other guys you think that the Mavericks should, should really look to target in this draft? Yeah, I think there's too many names to list like a lot there. I'll just list a couple that really come to mind. I'll start with Aaron Henry. I think he's someone who could be there at pick 40. And like you said, trading into the second isn't that hard. Even in deep years, like we've seen even 2018 teams were trading in 2017, which had a relatively deep uh, class every year, actually, since like 2016 has been pretty deep. Um, Teams have had no problems trading into. So that's a myth that needs to be dispelled. Uh, Aaron Henry leads the list. I would love him as a playmaking defender. Adds a little bit, you know, a little bit redundant to Josh Green, but does a lot of important things next to Luca at a more NBA ready level. You could add Kessler Edwards if you're wanting the defense. I think that's probably his day one trait, not too sold on his offense translating, but his defense is very good. He'd be someone I would look for. Um, and then I'm having a hard time deciding between a couple of players, but I, I'll go ahead and because uh, I know Stone and I absolutely love this player. And I assume this is one of the players you were talking about in a minute ago, but I'll go with Mario Nakic. Uh, I would love him in Dallas with Luca as one of the better off ball players in the class. He has upside as a self creator, can get to the rim, is really crafty once he gets to the rim. And he shot 51% this year from three in Belgium. Obviously, small sample size. I think he went to like a three and a half game, but. We kind of hyped up Aaron Neesmith after 103s as a 52% shooter. So I'm going to be a hypocrite as much as I hated it. I'm going to hype him up if it fulfills my narrative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the draft Twitter, <laughs> the draft in general is all about your narrative. So, uh, so absolutely pump him up. Uh, Stone, are there any guys in that group you really wanted to hit on? Uh, I know there's one. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, there's two. And I'll start, I'll start with one of them being uh, Yoku Betis. I think. Um, I brought him up a lot. Obviously, I don't need to go over sort of what he does, but I will comment on what he could bring to the Mavericks, which I think uh, would be another self, um, creator for them, somebody who can run a second unit for them effectively. I think he's really um, crafty and competent. So being able to uh, trust him with with completely with backup minutes, I think is a viable option and some something I would look at. Uh, and then the other guy I know, um, Richard, is a fellow member of the JRE hype train. So if we if JRE could get to the Mavericks, that would be uh, – I think Richard would be all over that, and hey, I know I would be too. If you don't mind me interrupting, I am kicking myself for not thinking – I literally – I pulled out my board, <laughs> and I forget that I'm, like, way too high on him. Um, I have him 13th on my board. So I was looking only at people 30 and below – and yeah. I didn't even, never once cross my mind. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, he is far and away number one. Good, good pick. I feel really dumb. That sounds like a sounds like an issue I had with uh, Kai Jones in our in our group mock draft. So so you're not you're not alone there in forgetting someone. Uh, but yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was the name I assumed one of you was yeah. going to bring up. I was a little surprised. Like Rich, let it go. Uh, Davis, are there any names you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I was waiting for the the Robinson Earl one. Um, there's there's one guy. Uh, he. he not not too much of a ceiling, but uh, Joel Ayayi might be late second round, um, maybe undrafted. Um, but he's really good off the ball as well. He's a really good cutter, um, which which could go pretty well with Luca. Um, he's also a pretty good three point shooter and just efficient um, with with whatever shot he takes really. Um, so it it could be 
you know, a smart pick to go there. Just kind of a kind of a Dorian Finney-Smith type, um, just like a, a better shooter, um, in my opinion. Probably better off the ball too, but just that that type of role. Maybe not as as much minutes, but um, yeah, I, I can see him. I can see him as a guy that fits fits with the Mavericks. Yeah, I uh, I like I like all the names we brought up, and I'll kind of let you guys sort of sort of with your pickings break break down what you think each of those guys would look like on the Mavs. Um, I really like Davis bringing up Joel AI. I think that's a really interesting one, um, especially with his with his potential role. Like, I feel like he can sort of do what Josh Richardson could do. Like, obviously not near the defender yet, but like in, in like a couple of years, I think he could be almost what Josh Richardson is, but hopefully a more efficient three-point shooter. Um, and that would be really worthwhile for the Mavs to have. Uh, and then one last name I'll throw out there is a guy who I'm quite high on and that's david johnson um i think he could be a bet at that second playmaker next to luca but i think he can also um fall into a smaller role as more of an off-ball player and a good defender um if, if he can't quite hit that secondary creator role so uh, any of those names really stick out to you guys that you want to break down rich i'm sure you want to hit on jre so uh, i'll throw it to you first man well i'm still not i'm still not over the fact that i missed him i'm, I'm going to be kicking myself for quite a bit on that one uh, for quite a while. So that really hurt, but I'm going to start with, uh, yeah, I'll start with JRE real quick. Just he plays, plays just mistake-free basketball. It's the best thing you can have next to Luka Doncic at forward at a spot where you need mistake-free role players. He fits very well. Um, I love how he can bring the ball up the floor and make right passes and everything. I, his defense will be okay against perimeter uh, players at best. But he's a really intelligent player who doesn't miss rotations, just doesn't make mistakes. And I think there's something to be said for that, even if, you know, he's not scoring the ball a ton. He's not, you know, locking guys up. There's a lot of in-between of those two things. So the other one, though, I really did like uh, the Joel Ayayi mentioned because I'm actually pretty low on him. But when you say what you said about you put him in the Dorian spot, there is obviously a lot to work with there because you do, he needs that weight. Like I've heard from workouts and stuff like he's, he's weak. That's verbatim from a prospect that worked out with him that said he's just weak and things like that. Like you can't play the small forward in, in the NBA if you're weak. So if he had strength, he's already a good defender, the collegiate level against guards and his best role offensively is literally doing just cutting because he's the best in the draft of that. And then just spot up threes from the corner. That is quite similar to Dorian's role. I love that mention of him. So I, you might've just sold me on him as a fit to the maps. Interesting. That's yeah. He's a fun fit. And I think um, that's, I think I sort of like David Johnson better in that role, not to, not to steal the thunder of Joel AI uh, because I, I do really uh, like AI though. I'm, I am lower on it than most, I think, because I don't see the, the upside there. Um, but David Johnson, I do see the upside with, cause I think he could potentially be one of those bets at a, at the second creator next to Luca. Um, if he, I think he can potentially be a really efficient pick and roll player, but if he can't do that, I think there's a chance he can, he can scale down really well and, uh, and play off the ball and be a really good defender. He's six, five, but he's strong enough that I think he could guard quite a bit of threes um, and, and, and just kind of be a dog on that end. So uh, that that's the guy I kind of like in that mold, but Joel AI feels that really well too. So, so those are both really interesting fits. Um, so is there anyone out of that group that you want to circle back to? I think you guys pretty much hit on, on most of them uh, fairly well. I'm sort of breaking down what they could look like on the Mavericks. Um, 
<clears throat> the only other, I'll bring up a couple like rapid fire names. We don't need to spend too much time on them. Jason Preston, I think, would be interesting as a backup for them. Somebody who can uh, keep their head above water when he's playing as a primary initiator, um, which is pretty much all you really want when you're sitting Luca, as long as they're keeping the Mavs afloat. I think that's really what you're looking for in a backup point guard at this point. Um, and then Kessler Edwards is another name I wanted to throw in there. I think Kessler uh, really could fit what the Mavericks do in terms of just a three and D type guy. Uh, having both him and Dorian Finney-Smith out there together, I think would be interesting. Uh, and defensively would give you a lot more versatility, I think. Uh, and then the last guy I'll throw in, because I'm trying to, I realize we bring a lot of the same names up each podcast that we like. Um, so one guy I'll bring up is uh, Dayron Sharp, I think would be interesting on the Mavericks. Um, between his passing and uh, sort of what he can do as a rebounder and, and interior player, um, I think that could be an interesting um, fit and, and look for the Mavericks there. So he's another guy just uh, you know, probably um, in the late second, if you were to be able to buy in there, I would consider him. Yeah, I like Sharp a little bit here too. Uh, again, another guy who I have an undrafted grade on just because he's, he's sort of a big that I think projects more as a backup. Um, but but definitely an interesting name to bring up. Um, but we've done quite a bit of, of the name pointing and, uh, we, you know, we love to do that. We really do here. Um, but I think I want to move on a little bit and, and talk about sort of just the general idea of where you think this team is going to go from here, Rich. Just they have Luca, but, you know, with the change of coach, rumors about Luca being unhappy. The roster is sort of a weird fit around him. He had to do so much work in the playoffs. Um, Rich, where do you think the Mavericks are going from here? And what do you think they need to do to really turn this team into a championship caliber team around Luka Doncic? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly a very tough task to build this team out, right? Because they've set themselves backwards by not having Porzingis step into the role he was expected to at the level he was expected to. So having, this is actually probably the easiest fix in the weirdest way without having to change anything on the team. If Porzingis can just play defense and produce like he did this year, which I don't think is that hard. Um, again, I think Carlisle has a little bit to do with some of that, getting two of his very best seasons under him, uh, under Porzingis' career, excuse me. So I'm a little bit worried. That's one thing. The other thing would be, I mean, they have to address, they can't be weird. Like they do this every year where they'd hype it up. They're like, oh, free agency. We're going to do it. This is how we invest. They have to stop doing that. You have to get your role players in free agency, draft your stars in the draft. And it's good. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's hard to draft, you know, for stars when your next pick is 2022. A draft pick isn't going to be a guy who is going to get you to the title year one. At best, you're a role player when you're a rookie. Um unless you draft Cade Cunningham to this team, which very obviously won't happen, but they need to get lucky in a lot of ways, whether it's the draft, they need to find an instant role player, something like that. But taking advantage of the draft, I think is actually one of the most important things, but just playing within their reasonable limits and not expecting to get every star's interest is probably the biggest step they can make. I think they just need a massive roster overhaul though, to be more material about what their changes are. They, they need to dump and move on from half the roster. Most of these guys and to be real, I wouldn't be shocked if half the team is out of the league by the next two years. And whether that's old age or skilled, they're going to be out. But, uh, that I agree with you from that perspective. I think this team, uh, for the most part, I mean, needs to probably be stripped down and retooled. Um, 
but what would you say is like the actual likelihood do you think of that happening how how likely would you say that they sort of strip this team down and, and rebuild around Luca? man I'd be lying I'd be lying if I had an answer I mean new coach with a whole new philosophy from anything we've seen in a new GM who cares who knows basketball is what I would say um I like I, I think there's no question he knows basketball better than Donnie Nelson I don't know I, I genuinely have no idea what to expect this offseason because it's a coach who hasn't really established himself as a good coach outside of I mean like quite literally correct me if I'm wrong his best move ever as a coach is spilling a drink to get a free timeout and <laughs> that was dirty like and then the GM is someone who doesn't have any experience managing a basketball team so I I don't know what to expect. And it may be Bob running the show, which I think it is. And if that's the case, I'm pessimistic about anything actually turning out into fulfilling needs. That, that's, a, that's a rough perspective, but uh, you'd be surprised the amount of people come on here with that, with a slightly dour look about their team. I would say it's, it's, it's a vast majority. Um, and I, I find that interesting, uh, but who rich, and you've been so great. So I hope we're not taking up too much of your time, but I want to know like who you really think the building blocks of this team are. I mean, is Dorian in there? Is it just KP and Luca is, you know, who, who is it that is, that are like long-term pieces that you think should be a part of the core? Not that they need to be untouchable, but that their contributions are important. And even if they are to be traded, they need to be replaced with a similar archetype. If that makes sense. It's, it's like, who are the, members you can really count on to be a part of this team as it continues to push for a, an NBA championship. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if even five guys from this 2021 season um, are on the roster in 2023 at any point, I would say Porzingis is an iffy one. If you turn his value around, you keep him. If not, I mean, even then actually you might trade him and sell high, like you don't know. And that's a tricky one. That is automatically the toughest thing. I'd say the only building block or core piece you have is Luka Doncic. The next best building block or long-term piece that you might want isn't even Porzingis. I, I think it actually is Josh Green because little known fact, Jalen Brunson is an unrestricted free agent next year. I don't know if the Mavs are going to keep him. Yeah, I, I think that's very... That's, that's the thing with a lot of second round picks people don't realize. Um, I would say that's a fate probably coming from Mitchell Robinson as well, uh, which is a, you know, big in Knicks land, right? Uh, but he is probably going to get opted in this summer and that would make him an unrestricted free agent next summer. And that's just sort of how it, how it goes with some of these second round picks. Um, I think I'm with you that it's probably Josh Green second or, or third, excuse me, behind KP. And I, I think that's a, that's a rough spot to be in because I like Josh Green. Uh, Josh Green is far from a sure bet to be a, a true high-level contributor uh, at, at the NBA level. I love his defense. I love his passing. That combination is really interesting, but, you know, things have to come together for him to really contribute to a championship team within the next five to seven years or so, and uh, it, that's far from certain. Uh, Luca is special, and I think people, like, people don't underrate him, but he is, he needs to be acknowledged as truly special. Uh I, I could go so far as to make the argument that he's the best player in the NBA at this point. I think he, he really proved – I'm not saying he is. I don't believe in those straight numerical rankings of, of 1 to 10 of best players because that's not how basketball works in my opinion. But, like, he he's definitely deserves to be in that conversation in my opinion. Uh, 
the fact that he that he took it to a much more talented Clippers team and got them to seven games the way he did, I think is really special. I think the fact that you could have uh, the platonic ideal of a heliocentric creator on your team is 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 make, should make your life a lot easier. But they're just at an interesting spot. I don't love the kid hire really at all for for multiple reasons. But focusing mostly on basketball, I don't think he's a good uh, basketball coach. Uh, so th- so they're just at an interesting spot. Um, Rich, were there any final like notes you want to hit on with the Mavericks while you're here to just sort of get it all out because they are a really interesting team and I think they're their future will be one to really monitor because you know Luca is is a true all-star a true superstar and trying to maximize him uh with with the tools they have is 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 going to be interesting to see yeah I mean it's going to be unpredictable I don't think anything about this team is predictable whatsoever except for the fact that there's going to be major turnover um I, I genuinely don't know what to expect. I hope my hopes, I, I can be very discreet and clear about what my hopes are, uh, but I don't have confidence in those actually turning into anything and meaning anything. Cause I'm, I'm just a guy. Like my, my thing is, is I, I would love to see them every year be active in the second round of the draft. We're seeing it every single year. The draft is deeper than the last. And it's because basketball players are better now, like even in the last five years, just as all the average basketball player keeps getting better and it's, it's a linear projection pretty much. I don't know the numbers obviously, but like, it's very obvious when you watch like stone and Bryce, like how many times have we talked about guys in the community mocks, how many undrafted free agents mixes have there been? Like there's 90 guys, like 90 hundred guys that like you can make arguments for that should be drafted. That has never been the case until the last five years. Like it, you got to take advantage of this pool and every year there's an undrafted free agent. I think every year since I want to say it's the turn of the century, every year, just about since the turn of the century, there's been an undrafted free agent who turns into a rotation player. Granted a good amount of them have actually been Mavs, JJ Barea, Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney Smith. Like there's high praise there, but that's from our old GM found all those guys. So you got to be, you got to take advantage of the second round. Don't go for projects there's some high floor guys that slip for no reason whatsoever. Take advantage of that. That is the clear cut step one, help yourself by in the young players department. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I I'm with you with all of that. I, I love how matter of fact you were in just, in just stating uh, that you think the draft is consistently getting better. Um, I think, you know, you bring it up. I, I think if they could get like a JRE, you mentioned how just NBA ready he is, how guys like him sort of slip for, for, for for reason being lack of a ceiling right but uh but jre would be such an interesting fit i think maxi kleba is so good that's something we didn't get to talk about i love maxi uh he's someone i would consider a long-term building block even though once that defense falls off he'll probably be a little rough but uh, i love maxi um you know what i'm we're gonna end this in an interesting way uh just just for fun this is a team without a pick you mentioned the undrafted guys um if you were to have them sort of sign one guy who, who, who you sort of maybe project to go on draft or maybe on your guys' board is even not even in the top 60, who do you want that guy to be? And, and, and why, like, what, like, what do you think? Like you don't quite have him top 60, but you still see it in the, in the right context. He can really be something. Uh, and, and why do you think that's the Mavs uh, stone? I'll throw it to you first. Oh, that is, that is a tough question. Um, <laughs> if you don't have one, I can, I can go. I have my board pulled up. So go for it. Let me think for a second. Okay. 
Okay, that's fair. I know it's not to put you guys on the spot, but I thought it was a fun way to end it with the team with no pick. Um, I'm gonna go with on my board. I have E.B. Watson out of Dayton as 76th on my board. Um, not a guy who gets a lot of buzz, but a a really sound athlete with with a pretty solid suit shooting projection. Um, I think he could be a Dorian Finney-Smith-esque player, which I you know. I, I know Mavericks fans are kind of split on Dorian, but if you get him undrafted, that's a win. Um, and, and that's that's not like to say he will be that, but undrafted, to get a wing who's 6'7", who, who moves the way EP does is pretty rare. Uh, he, he has some defensive lapses as an IQ player, but he's, he's big enough and he's strong enough. I haven't seen a wingspan measurement, but, um, and, and the shooting is there. I think he can be, a, a, a legitimately good shooter at that size. Um, he's the guy I will point to as if he ends up on a team like the Mavericks and they invest in him, I think he can legitimately become a rotation player uh, next to Luka Doncic. So there's my, my definitive statement on undrafted player who I think can really be something in Dallas. I... I will go with uh, Charles Bassey, I think, here. Um, somebody who I think is a really – he's one, near the top of my board in terms of, like, these back-end sort of bigs. Uh, just because I buy his shot more than a lot of these other sort of back-end centers, um, I think if he can stretch the three out and still be a viable um, rim runner on both ends, a guy who is uh, a, some semblance of a rim protector but also a roll threat, I think – being able to get all of that in um, a possibly an undrafted guy could be pretty valuable. So uh, I think Charles Bassey would be my answer here. This is the hardest question I've, I've had. I, I have like five guys I'm deciding between and none of them I'm that confident in. Um, I guess I'll start with, <laughs> I'll start with Yves Pons. I don't trust his offense to ever be anything, but like, the man's an animal on defense. And I think that has to be said for something. Uh, some other guys that have popped out, this was the most biased one I was favoring was Aaron Wiggins. I loved him as a freshman and sophomore at Maryland. And this, I, and I, I, now I'm doubting myself. He was a junior this year, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay, yeah, 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 he was. Okay, good. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, the <laughs> pandemic threw me off. So I loved him as a lower classman. I was like, this guy's going to be a three and D prospect. And he's finally in the draft. And I'm like iffy on him, but he would be a really nice Dorian replacement. And then <laughs> the third guy, I I've honestly just had the hardest time. I'm going to go with um, Bryce. You, you brought up someone who could be a defender. Um, and I, I'm going to stick with the defensive theme for the third guy. And I know you said one and I'm terribly sorry. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're count, good. But, you're good. This but I'm going to go with, and I still don't know how to say his, uh, honestly, his name, I think it's Dejan Giroux, Giroux. Um, mm-hmm. and if you want the defensive guy, he's, he's the lock. Yeah. I, I, I think this, this has now been so far, every single episode, Eve Pons has come up. Um, <laughs> I think so. Episode. I mean, because he fits on every team, really. So it, it makes sense. In every single community mock I've done, he's the first undrafted free agent to go. Like, we only do three times you can be picked. And every single time, he's the first one. Except for this time, he's second to Bassey. But every other time, he's been first. Yeah. He just and I think, I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to say that <laughs> the, <laughs> all, the first two guys – or not the first two, the last two guys you mentioned there uh, – 
not the last two of the guys you mentioned there excuse me my brain's uh dying it's a sunday um eve pons and dejan Giroux were too high on my board for me to for me to uh <laughs> this uh dejan is someone who i've just consistently risen on he just i i just really buy that defense and and if you can if you can give him some some time to develop just just a, like an okay shot he can be a really really uh good bet in, in the late second or undrafted um but this has been great uh sorry to put you on the spot but but those were three great guys to bring up and uh, okay. i i yeah that's that's a fun exercise i wish i had to come up that uh when we were doing the other teams with no picks um but anyways uh this has been awesome uh rich thank you so much for coming on you do a lot of great stuff so just tell the people where they can find everything you do plug yourself to your heart's content man <laughs> hey really appreciate that everything roots to at Mavs draft on Twitter. Every single thing I do will be on there. But the other thing I do, if, if you're not following me or you don't want to, which totally understandable. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm also unlocked on NBA draft every Tuesday. I, uh, I disagree. Not understandable. You should follow Mavs draft. I tweet a lot about baseball unnecessarily. Although if, if you're a baseball fan too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, tweet so about baseball. <laughs> it's no, I, uh, Mavs draft is seriously great. He was one of the first guys I followed. And I remember the first podcast I ever listened to of yours was when you did the, I want to say you did the tournament preview with like a specific, like big East point or something. Yep. Maybe it was just yep. a total turn, tournament preview, but I remember you talking about like Zagorowski and, and guys like that. And that was, uh, so I've been listening ever since Mavs draft. Great podcast. Um, yeah. I, one of my favorite of yours is your breakdown of the LSU guys. So go listen to that if you want to hear all about Trendon Watford and my guy, Darius Days, who, who sadly returned to school. But uh, yeah, I know I, I love Darius Days. Um, but this has been awesome. Please go follow Rich uh, Stone. Tell the people where they could find you and what they got to do. Uh, yeah, you could follow me in all my draft work at report underscore court. Um, and then I do other work for lines.com if you want to look at mock drafts and stuff like that. Uh, and then if you just want to follow the podcast uh, Upside Swings on Twitter, and if you could rate and review us, it helps us out a lot. Um, and then obviously follow Richard and all his great work. And uh, if you like the Mavs, but he also does a lot of magic work as well, uh, breaking down their team. So if you like either of those teams uh, or just the draft in general, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> then you should uh, definitely follow Richard. He's one of the best in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rich does great stuff. Everyone on Locked On does great stuff. The draft dummies, the Raphael. Just we just had Raphael on. Um, I want to say, was that the last pod or is that two pods ago? It all blends together. We've done. Uh, yeah, yeah we, I think I think Rich, you're 25. I think you're 25. You're the 25th person we've had on. So we're really rounding the home stretch. We want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we couldn't do this without you guys. Thanks again to, to Rich. Go follow him at Mavs Draft and, and all his work is great. Um, Davis, who had to leave to go to work, is at Sports by Davis. Uh, this has been awesome. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can find all my work at uh, Roll Call Sports. Um, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.